Thank you for listening to this sermon by Grace Point Church. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at gracepointaz.com, or better yet, come be our guest on a Sunday morning. Good morning, Grace Point Church, and thank you for being here. Please stand up for the reading of God's Word. If you don't have a Bible this morning and you would like to use one, they can be found in the seat backs in front of you. If you know someone who needs a Bible, you can take that one and give it to them. We would love for you to have God's Word in your hands throughout this week. Today's scripture will be taken from the book of Psalm, chapter 23, verses 1 through 6, and can be found on page 458 in those Bibles. Follow along with me as I read. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Please pray with me. Lord. Thank you for this service and for this church. Thank you just for the, the opportunities of our church and the excitement of just hearing about the women's event yesterday and how you're working in the women at our church. Um, I thank you that the still waters that we hear about in those verses, that it's in you and your character and not in our circumstances. And I just pray as we're deviating away from that, that we would focus on you. Um, speak through Tyler this morning, and we just thank you so much for who you are. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Grace Point. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, like Jason said, it's my first sermon. I'm the youth guy here at the church. And one of, one of my favorite things about, uh, well, not one of my favorite things, but an awesome thing. There's a lot of favorite things I have about Grace Point, but an awesome thing is just the name of our church, Grace Point, because you guys might need to use some of that grace on me today, because uh, who knows how this is going to go. But uh, real quick, I just want to talk about how David, we're, we're in Psalms and we're talking about how David is, uh, he's talking about his life as a shepherd and he's going through different things. And there's so much content we can pull out of just these few verses. But here at Grace Point, we love to go verse by verse and chapter by chapter as we're preaching through um, the Bible. And uh, right now we're doing literally one verse per sermon in this series. And so when Jason told me to preach, I was like, hey, Jason, usually you've got like 10 or 15 verses to talk about. And I've got one, like this is going to be super tough. But, uh, but there's so much content here. And as I dove in and uh, was able to do some research, I really found like, dang, like this is awesome. And I'm super pumped to be here for it. But last week, Jason talked about Psalms 23.1. The verse is, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. It talks about how we can make these things ultimate in our life. Like he used examples like money, sex, and power, and how these things are good things for Christians and, uh, and how we can take these things, they're good things for anyone, but we can take these things and misuse them and we can make them ultimate things in our life, which ends up being toxic and bad for us in our relationships. And so uh, Jason also talked about because of the shepherd's work on the cross that we have dignity in our lives and uh, we're made in God's image and we have redemption in Christ and our sins are paid in full and shame is removed and how we, how we uh, aren't the things that we've done or the things that we've done to others or things that we've said to others, um, how all that's been forgiven because of Jesus. And so um, we, talked about, um, we talked about the only shepherd 
is Christ and he's never gonna fail us. And that's what we're gonna dive into more today. So today we're gonna talk about Psalms 23 two. And what that says is he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. So to take that first chunk, he makes me lie down in green pastures. As I was doing some studying and stuff, I didn't really understand how kind of weak or um, timid sheep are. And so um, there's four criteria that sheep need in order to be made to lie down in green pastures. And so, uh, you know, I I grabbed, I actually stole these from Cody Devers. He's a pastor at the Table Church across town, um, these four criteria. So thanks for that, Cody. But um, these four things that sheep need in order to lie down is free of fear. Um, So free of of being scared of the predators that are out there to to take these, these sheep out. Um, free of friction is the second thing. Friction, Cody called this flock friction. I, I love that term. I think that's super catchy, but flock friction, friction within the flock, within the church. Um, free of pest. They have to be free of pest in order to lie down and they have to be free of hunger. And the only thing or the only person that can do that is Jesus, our shepherd. He's the only one that can bring that freedom. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the freedom of fear. And like I just said, sheep are timid and they're, they're hopeless. Um, but in order for them to be free of fear, they need a protector. They need some protection. And so they need them from the coyotes and the cougars and the mountain lions, like all these wildlife out there that are out to take out the sheep. So I started thinking about, I don't know if you guys seen those videos, but there's these videos online about these, uh, the coyotes that will come in people's backyards and they have like backyard cameras and the coyotes will jump in the backyard. They'll grab a little dog or a little cat, which is super sad, right? But then they scale the seven foot wall and they get away. And so I started thinking like, well, how do you, how do you protect that? How do you stop that? And it's, it's bringing that animal inside. And that's what God does to us. He brings us in, he protects us and keeps us safe. And so there's another, another uh, video that came out like two weeks ago. I don't know if it just came out or what, but I saw it two weeks ago and it lined up perfectly with a sermon I thought because it was about God being the protector, the scary protector to, to chase off these predators. And uh, it was where this wife comes out and this wife um, comes out in the backyard and sees this big old black bear that jumped back there and she's chasing this medium-sized dog, not a little dog, but not a, not a big dog. And this black bear's chasing it back and forth, back and forth. And the wife screams, goes inside terrified. And this husband comes out, this big burly guy. And he's like, and he's like yelling at this bear for like 15 seconds. He's yelling. He looks like a fool. I mean, just to be honest. But the thing is, is he comes out and he scares this black bear away. This big 700 pound black bear jumps the fence and he's out of there and the dog's safe. And see, that's what God does for us. He's our protector. He keeps us safe through, uh, through scaring the predators away. He deters the, the predators. And so God's presence deters those who hunt us. The sheep being so scared reminds me of a few weeks ago, like three weeks ago, Jason called me. He's like, hey, I'm not going to be here. Uh, do you mind preaching for me? And when I first got that text, I was like, yeah, uh, no, no, I'm, I don't think I'm going to do that. So I called up my dad and I said, hey, dad, like, how am I going to get out of this? And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, I am terrified. I can't preach for Jason. Like, I can't preach for anybody. I'm just this youth guy. And I've just been teaching lessons for the last few years. And, and my dad said, hey, man, God's been preparing you for this moment. And Jason has been there helping you and guiding you for this moment. And I was like, well, dad, I'm terrified. And, uh, and he goes, so you're telling me that you're going to call up the head of your pastor who asked you to preach for him. And you're going to say, I can't do it because I'm nervous. And I was like, yeah. He's like, no, he's like, no, you're going to go and do it. You're going to go do it. You're going to say yes. And I was like, dang. So in that moment where I avoided Jason, I was like that, since we're talking about sheep here, I was like that fainting goat. You guys ever seen those fainting goats where like you jump out and scare them. And then all of a sudden that goat's like, boom, they passed out. I passed out for a couple hours. I mean, not really, but I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to tell Jason anything. Like I was, anyways, I ended up calling Jason and said, Hey man, my dad said I'm going to do it. So I guess I'm going to do it. But uh, 
Anyways, uh, but the, the awareness of his presence is the key to our freedom from our fears. And so the next thing that sheep need to be free um, from, from fear or to be free to lie down in these green pastures is the, the freedom of friction within the flock. And so you guys might've had flock friction or you guys might've had friction within the church. And that's what I'm talking about is if you're gonna be doing church right, you're gonna have friction. If you're going to have open Bibles and open lives, like that's, that's what in a community group that here at Grace Point, that's what we do here. We have open Bibles and open lives. We're talking about the Bible. We're talking about our lives and we're getting in deep. And that's what we did this week at our community group. Our community group was fantastic this week. People were open in their lives. There was tears. Like, I mean, community groups should be about opening your lives and, and talking about God, opening the Bible. And so um, when we're talking about friction within the flock, sometimes it can get a little hairy. Like people are like, hey, I, I see this area in your life and man, you, you really got to fix this area in your life. Like this, this, is, this is not bringing you closer to Christ. And that, that could be offensive. That could kind of hurt somebody. I mean, if, especially if you're prideful and a lot of people are prideful and, that, and you know, that's, that's sin. But if you're prideful about it and you're like, hey, like I, I think that person's wrong, pray about it, go home and think about it and then come back. And, and maybe you can go to that person and say, hey, thanks for pointing that blind spot out. That's a blind spot that I didn't see in my life. But in all animal societies, there's this, uh, this thing called the pecking order. And so uh, that's what it's called in the chicken society, chicken realm. Well, in sheep, right, uh, there is the budding order. And so the budding order is literally like sheep are going head to head. They're headbutting each other. And so uh, as they're doing that, um, they're trying to keep each other off like their turf, like their green pastures, their bedding. And so it's pretty common for the ewe, which not literally you, but like it's a, it's a female sheep. It's the older sheep in the flock. She will grab like the best pastures and she'll grab the best bedding and she'll lay down and she'll be like, this is my space. This is my area. Get out, get out. And so as the younger um, sheep come to try to get stronger, they're trying to grow. She'll, she'll butt them out of there. As the injured or the sheep that they, they're just they're sick, they're not well, she'll get them out of there. And the shepherd's job is to keep that you in check. It's to keep that, that female sheep, the whoever is being the bully in check and say, hey, look, you got to let the weaker people, they, they need to come over and they need to feed. They need to, the, the weaker sheep need to feed and get stronger. And so Ezekiel 34, 15 through 16, this is God talking, says this, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. Man, when I read that, I was like, dang, like this is, this is going back to that story where it talks about how David as the shepherd goes out and finds that one sheep. And that's what God does is he goes out and finds that one sheep who strayed away. That one person who maybe grew up in a Christian house and then they, they, they went away from it as they went to college. And so God, he's our sheep that if he finds us injured, he's going to bind us up and he's going to put us on his shoulders. He's going to carry us back to the flock and he's going to help us get better. He's going to keep that you in check so that the weaker sheep, the person who's injured, the person who's hurting can actually go and get the help they need and get, get fed by the Lord. And so this is saying that God is not going to stop his work. He's not stopping pursuing us. He's going to continue to pursue us. He's going to uh, continue to pursue you if you're saved. He's going to continue to pursue you if you're not saved. And he's going to bring the Christians who've lost their way back, and he's going to help them heal and strengthen. He's going to continue to pursue us. So the presence of the shepherd makes all the difference. And when our eyes are on the shepherd, they can't be on the sheep. Think about that. When our eyes are on the shepherd, they can't be on the sheep. They can't be on the people in our church where you're like, man, I'm just jealous of that guy. That guy's got the newest car. That guy's got the, I don't know, whoever's got that orange motorcycle out, out front. I thought that was pretty cool. But like, if our eyes are on the shepherd, our eyes aren't on the sheep. 
And so we've got to focus on the Lord and keep our eyes fixed on him. And one of the best ways and, and one of the awesome things I think about the church, about Grace Point Church, is this is a place of peace for me. I get to come here and this is, these are the people that I do life with. These, you guys, like, especially the people in my community group, but the people in the whole church, like, I, I love talking to you guys. I love getting to know you guys. And so for me, this is a place of peace. This is where I can find the rest that I need. And this is the green pastures that I lie down in in order to feed and, and get closer to God and you guys to hold me accountable. Um, and, and so do you guys have friction in your life? Is there flock friction? Is there pet peeves of people here at the church that you guys are like, man, I just can't stand that person. I just don't like the way that that person talks. I don't, I'm jealous of what they have. I'm envious of them. Or do you have hate or ill will or contempt? Are you discontent with the, the things that God have given you? God has given you? Or are you just, are you, are you always searching to be a little bit better, a little bit more secure, and you're not searching in the right place. You're not searching and you're not keeping your eyes fixed and focused on the shepherd. So the third thing is in order for us to rest and lie down, sheep need to be free of pest. And so uh, there's actually this pest and this parasite for these uh, sheep as I was doing some research and it's called the nasal flies. And it, it's just as bad as it sounds. These flies will get in the sheep and they'll get in their nasal cavity and they'll start laying eggs. And then these eggs will hatch and they're literally inside the sheep's head tormenting them. And so the sheep start stamping around. They're, they can't stay still. They're shaking their head and they're constantly restless. They can't rest. They can't lie down. And so um, the remedy for this back in the day was for um, a shepherd to take oils and spices, sometimes tar, and they would like rub it in the, the nasal cavity all over their face to make sure that um, these sheep aren't being pested. They're not being, they're not being bugged. And so the nostril, uh, the nostril flies or the nasal flies are constantly bugging the sheep. So what is constantly bugging you in your life right now? What are the things that keep you awake at night that you can't stop thinking about and you're just, you're stuck in your own thoughts about this thing? Is it uh, like, like, what I want to say is our shepherd is always present and available with the remedies for these pesty and afflicting thoughts that we have that are keeping us up. I don't know if it's your regrets or if it's your pains that you're feeling, the things you're going through in life, or if you're blaming others or, or, or if you're just thinking of, man, if I just would have done that, if I, if I just would have, you know, did that better, if, if I would have been working harder in this area, or if I would have went this other career field, are you thinking of all these regrets and things that you've gone through? See, the shepherd, he is, our, he is our rescuer. He is our protector, and he can help us through these. He gives us the remedies we need. So in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says this, and I find this verse to be super, super hard, um, but so truthful and so good. It says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Man, take every thought captive. That means when you're stuck up at night and you're thinking, man, like I'm struggling with this, man, I've got to change. I've got to do something. I've got to help my family be more secure or whatever it is. You've got to take that caught captive to obey Christ. And the awesome thing about God is there's so much grace. He gives us so much grace. And if we can find a way to do that, that is where we're going to feel freedom. We're going to feel the, the rest to lie down. And so one of these things for me is, um, is going hunting. And this year, I think I went dove hunting for one of the first times without anybody. Um, my friends couldn't go. Everyone was busy. And I was like, well, I want to go dove hunting. It's opening day. I'm going to go out by myself. And so what I did is I went out there and there was no one out in this spot. And I just really started seeing, man, this place is beautiful. It's gorgeous as the sun was coming up. And I was just praying and thanking God for my family and for everything I have in my life, for the sunset, for this, these deserty trees and deserty brush or whatever. And like, seriously, I was super thankful. And I was just, I was praying 
that entire hunt. And the hunt was obviously interrupted with a couple shotgun shells going off and birds dropping. And I was picking them up and saying, thank you, God, for this, this bird. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, you know, and I was just able to rest in Christ in that moment that day. Um, another way that I do, and this is kind of like co-talk for me and my wife, is I'll be like, hey, babe, I'm going out to the desert. If I'm struggling, I'm going through something real hard. Or even occasionally, if Judy and I get in a fight, um, usually she doesn't like me leaving the house. But sometimes I'll be like, hey, I'm going to the desert. And I'll literally, the desert's right by my house. I'll drive out there 10 minutes away, and I'll just sit there for half an hour to an hour, and I'll just pray with God. And I'll, I'll talk to him, and I'll let him know everything I'm feeling. And the thing is, is I've been talking to, to some people in the church, and um, and what, what I realize, people, even the youth, is is like uh, people don't really, they don't pray to God like a normal friend or a normal person. And that's something I really want to encourage you guys is because that's where the rest is. Don't, I mean, God wants you to be thankful. He wants you to thank him for things. He wants you to bring all your burdens, all the things you're struggling with to him. And so pray to him like he's a normal person. If you're angry, talk to him like you're angry and say, look, God, I'm angry at this situation. Please help me help my heart soften. And I'm, when I do that, when I go out to the desert and I can get away, that is what helps me. That's what helps me. Um, so the fourth thing that we need to do in order to lie down and, and really be, be uh, free and rest is uh, to be free of hunger. And so much of the sheep country back in the day and even today, uh, when, I, when I think of sheep or whenever I saw sheep in a movie, it was usually a military movie. I just got out of the Air Force, so I love military movies. But as I'm looking at these military movies, like these sheep that are in Iraq or, excuse me, or wherever they're at, um, usually it's really deserty. And it's like, man, like, how are they, how is the shepherd going to find green pastures? And so as I started doing some research and stuff, I found that there's a couple things. If they can't find green pastures or the green pastures are already taken up by another shepherd or another flock, what they've got to do is the, the shepherd has to start removing rocks and stumps and brush and roots. He's got to get all this stuff and clean this land area out. And then what he's got to do is he's got to plow down deep. He's got to break up the soil, soften it up so that the roots that he's about to plant these seeds in, um, that the roots can start taking root and take place. And before he even plants the seeds, he's got to dig these irrigation channels. So you've got to be close to a river. He's, he, they've got to be close somewhere to where they can dig in to let the water flow and, and water the grounds. And so then the next and the last step is this tedious seeding and planting process and trying to take care of this area. And it takes months in order to prepare these pastures so that the sheep can finally feast. They can finally find rest. Hungry sheep that aren't fed well, they stay on their feet and they're always looking for food. They're, they never can rest. They're always moving and um, they're always searching for the next area of food. They're looking for the next bite. And so when I, when I heard this, I started thinking like, what is, what is my next bite that I'm always looking for? What is your next bite in your life? The next thing that you're striving for that's taking your focus off of Jesus, taking your focus off the shepherd. See, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on the shepherd. We've got to constantly be in the word in community with each other to keep us accountable. But the thing is, is when we start replacing these things in our life where, for instance, for me, I mean, I had a devotional time set up. I had all these things set up and then, then I'm getting out of the Air Force and now I'm struggling. I've got to find, like, I've got to find a job. So that, that area, instead of trusting God and praying to God, I start looking around like, what's the next thing for me? And I start, I start doing all this research and working really hard when I used to do devotion during this time. And so I fell away from it. And I had to refix my eyes on Christ. I had to fix my eyes on the Lord. So what's that next bite in your life that you're struggling with? 
For me right now, um, I tend to, it tends to be success for me. It's like, man, at work, I want to, I want to get the next promotion. Like I want to, I want to get the next reward so that they can recognize me. And so then, you know, they know my name so I can get the next promotion. And so for me, that's kind of where my eyes will start to shift and I've got to keep them focused on Jesus. So where, where are your eyes shifting? Where are you trying to get that next bite? Is it, I mean, to be more simple, it could be the newest iPhone. Like you're stuck on the, the newest phone or the newest computer. Dang, I really want this new car I'm saving up for. And all your focus and drive is on that new car. Or is it on your promotion or, or what is it on? It needs to be on our shepherd. And so let the shepherd remove the rocks. If you're, if you're unsaved, let him remove the rocks and the stones of your disbelief. Let him remove the stumps and the roots of bitterness and hate and jealousy and these things that you have because you didn't get that raise, you didn't get the newest car, or now you're struggling financially because of the way the economy is. Let him plow deep into the soil of your proud human heart and let him sow the seeds of salvation and walk with him through this journey. That's the thing is it's a journey. It's not a quick fix. We're in a journey with Christ. If you're not saved, you can be in that journey with Christ where you have him by your side. The last part of this verse, it talks about, he leads me beside still waters. I don't know if y'all know this, but in order to survive, we all need water. Sheep do too. And so sheep, they have uh, this, this problem where they're, when their body is dehydrated, when their tissue is dehydrated, they really, really start to uh, have bad tissue damage. Like the tissue breaks down from being dehydrated. And so it causes them to get sick. It causes a lot of issues. And sheep, just like us, they know when they're thirsty. So they'll go and find water. They'll go and find water. So the thing is, is they'll go and find water that maybe not, might not be good for them. Or maybe they're just looking for moisture, anything that's moisture. And it may not be, it could be poisonous. It could, it could be unhealthy. And so um, the shepherd, a good shepherd, he will always keep uh, the flock close to a good water source. And not just to survive and not just to thrive, but to flourish, to flourish. And so the water source, I think, is the church. It's our church. It's our community groups. That is our water source where we can come and continue to get fed, continue to keep our eyes fixed and realigned with God. Because, I mean, to be honest, as a Christian, we, we constantly, we lose our way a little bit and we have to get reminded. We forget about the gospel this week and we come to church so we can get reminded. We can focus our heart and our eyes back where it needs to be on our shepherd. And so a good shepherd, he never lets his flock get too thirsty. And they're putting, uh, the people in our groups, are, they're putting our lives for a reason. And in fact, having the people that you are doing life with, you're doing church with, these are the people that will hold your arms up when they're heavy, when you're hurting and you can't hold the weight anymore. And then you do the, th the same thing with them. You help them out when they're struggling. Jesus doesn't lead us into chaos. And so where are your water sources? Do you already have your water sources picked out? Have you already found that puddle? And like, I'm satisfied with this little chunk of my life. Like I've got everything I need here. Or do you focus on Jesus leading you to these, these streams, these waters that are peaceful, that are calm, that are healthy for us? Do you have your spots picked out already? You already have your best spots. Or do you let God lead you into those spots? See, the series that we're in is Psalms 23, and it's not about like the rainbows or the unicorns of tough situations and to get rid of all the pain. This is what it's really about. Psalms 23 is about having someone with you on the journey. It's about someone to talk to when you're defeated. It's about someone to hear your cry when you are in pain, someone to hold your hand when you're tired and someone to wipe your tears away when you're feeling destroyed. It's someone to make you smile when your happiness has dissipated, disappeared, it's gone. That someone is our shepherd, it's Jesus. And so as I prepared this sermon, the thing that I kept coming, the theme that kept coming to me was rest, rest. We have to find rest. 
And I just wanted to share with you guys my favorite and best way for me to find rest. And that, that is seeing people get saved, being on mission. Last week, we baptized three people. And this year, we, we are on track to break the record of how many people we baptized in our first full year as a church in 2015. And you know that, that is all to God's glory. But man, we are the tools that God is using to save people. And it's not hard. We can't break the gospel. So get out there and talk to people, share the gospel. And so one of the stories I wanted to bring up was about my papa. And so my papa, um, man, he grew up, he had a hard life. Um, his parents were abusive. And then he went straight into the Navy. And then he goes in the Navy, gets sent to Vietnam. And all of a sudden his buddies are getting killed. He barely makes it home. And he makes it home and then he's scarred and he's dealing with PTSD, all these things. And you know, this is back in the 60s and 70s. Like people aren't getting help for that. Like, toughen up, buttercup. Like, that's, that's, that's what everyone says, right? So what, is, what does he do? He starts drinking. He starts smoking. And he starts drinking and smoking his whole life away. That's all I remember of my grandpa growing up is he just smoked and drank. And I would hang out with him as he drank a beer. And I'd sit with him as he smoked a cigarette, as he smoked packs a day, drank cases a day. And then um, one day he gets lung cancer. And this lung cancer diseased him and, and hurt him for the rest of his life. He had a few more years after that. And right before, um, the lung cancer didn't take him out. So what else did? His liver did. Literally, it was catching up to him. So my, my, my papa wasn't saved. And, uh, and so I remember when I got saved when I was five, man, I had this, this strong passion, this, this want in my heart for him to get saved and experience Jesus and to go to heaven with me one day. And I remember from the day I got saved when I was five, I, I'm telling you, every single night, I prayed for salvation for my papa every night. And that went from, as I got older, older it turned into multiple times a day where I was praying for my, my papa to get saved. And by God's grace on his deathbed, after having liver cirrhosis, he was dying before he went into a coma, a pastor that he had known from decades back and hadn't talked to um, had came to see him and he shared the gospel with him and my papa got saved. And I can't tell you, man, the joy that that was in my heart. It was, it was literally one of the best times and the, the best joys in my life where I was at rest more than I'd ever been at that point in my life. And so I want to tell you about this last story. This, this last story is about my grandpa. It's my, my wife's grandpa. And so, uh, my, my wife's grandpa, man, he was this awesome guy. And before we were even uh, married, sorry, before we were married, we weren't even dating yet. And uh, my, my grandpa uh, ends up getting stage four colon cancer. I remember being friends with Judy in class and uh, she got caught out of the classroom and she came back in and she, her tears were, she was crying. She was destroyed, grabbed her stuff and went home. And so uh, about six months later, I ended up deciding, hey, I'm, I think I'm going to ask this girl to, to date me. Like, hey, you go on a date with me. And uh, six months later, her grandpa's, well, actually, let me back up a little bit. So um, when they got that news, it was about the November and December timeframe. And so what they told him was stage four with the type of cancer he had and how much it had spread. They said, hey, look, I don't think he's going to make it till Christmas. Man, they said if he did make it past Christmas, he had a maximum of six months to live. And so, you know, she was shattered. You know, I, I had met him once before just as a friend. And I was like, dang, that's gotta be so hard. And then six months later um, in June, the next year, I asked Judy, um, hey, will you, will you be my girlfriend in front of, you know, it was at her sweet 16. That was embarrassing. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, uh, so we're there and it's, it's like seven, eight months later and uh, her grandpa's still there. He's still alive. And so we started dating. And, and as we were dating for the next few years, we, we literally uh, would go on these walks and talks, me and grandpa. Sometimes Judy would come. Sometimes uh, Callie, Judy's little sister would come. And I would just go on these long walks to keep grandpa strong and keep him fighting. And a few years passed. And uh, it's, 
It's Judy's brother, Chance. It's his sweet 16 birthday party. Grandpa's still around. It's a few years past. It's like three or four years past when they said, hey, you're not gonna get it past six months. And I tell you what, we go to that party and we're having fun. He got a new motorcycle for a sweet 16. Like, how awesome is that? And then grandpa comes up to me. He said, Tyler, I'm tired. And I said, oh, okay. Well, what do you wanna do, grandpa? He said, I want you to take me home. I said, all right, let's go. So I decided to walk my grandpa home. And, uh, and so what I did is we walked home. We were at this community center. And so uh, I walked home, got in bed with them, laid down with them. And I said, hey, grandpa, do you know where you're going after, uh, after your time on earth is gone? And he said, well, I think so. I hope so. You know, I really, really um, think I've been a good person. And right there I knew. I was like, he didn't get it. He didn't get it. And so what I did right there is I shared the gospel with them. And I told them that Jesus, man, he lived this sin-free life. And he died on the cross for your sins. Like he took all the sins that he'd ever committed, all these things he'd ever done. And he, he died on the cross. And that all you gotta do is if you believe that he rose again on the third day, you believe that he's forgiven you of all your sins, right there, like you're saved. And, I, and so if, if you're that person in here who maybe doesn't believe and you're almost there, I, I ended up telling my, my grandpa, I said, hey, let me walk you through this prayer. It, I, first I said, do you believe that? And he said, absolutely. I said, that's so awesome. I said, let me walk you through this prayer. And if this is you and you don't believe this, man, I would encourage you to, to re, like, repeat the words after me as I'm about to go through this prayer and tell you guys. But this is what I ended up praying. I said, I said Jesus, I'm so thankful for what you did for me on the cross. And you, you lived this sin-free life and you died, you died a sinner's death in, in my place. And, um, and you rose again on the third day. And, and I believe in you, Lord. And I want you to walk through the rest of my life, guiding me and helping me for the time that I have left here. In your name I pray, amen. And right there, he got saved. He got saved. And to tell you, uh, I know it's awesome. You guys can clap if y'all want, but yeah. So um, a month later, he ended up passing away. And that hit me a couple years later. It was like, dude, God kept him alive so that he could get saved. God wasn't done with him yet. And God's not done with you. God is still with you guys. And let him, what I, yeah, what I wanna say is let him be your shepherd. Let, find your rest in him. And so with that, I'm gonna go ahead and, and close in prayer. And um, just remember to let God be your rest. Let him be your shepherd.